3: And welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. Yes, I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, it's xzone at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV. And if you'd like to find out about the broadcast schedule that we have here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And, of course... We're on Simul TV, and to find out all about the X Zone TV channel on Simul TV, visit www.simultv.com. Now, uh, you may have been wondering where I have been for the last two months. Well, it's very simple. I was in hospital on November the fifteenth. I was involved in a serious accident that required a number of surgeries. Uh, yeah. What happened, Craig said, of Very simple. I was outside putting up Christmas tree lights on the roof and I fell off the ladder 10 feet, shattered my my, uh, right hip and uh, shattered my right femur. Thanks to the good people at the Welland Emergency Center, Dr. Song, and then my rehabilitation at the Shaver Hospital in St. Catharines, Ontario. I'm back. Stronger than ever. First time I've had a two-month vacation and what a hell of a way to get it. Anyway, thank you very much for all your cards, your emails, and your letters of concern. It's nice to be back. And uh, this is the first show that I've done since November the 15th. And what a year it's been. 2020 was just horrific. And here we are in 2021. And in the province of Ontario, where I reside, our COVID numbers are going through the roof. In fact, for the second time within 365 days today, the province of Ontario has issued a state of emergency. Uh, so, here we go again. COVID has risen. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I, you know, like, everybody thinks, hooray, there's a vaccine, we can act stupid again. No, you can't. You need to kind of hunker down, follow what the health authorities are saying, follow what the, uh, the governments are saying, both municipal, provincial, and federal. We have to take care of each other, Rexo Nation. There's no two ways about it. So, um, to each and every one of you, belated Merry Christmas, belated Happy New Year, and it's great being back here on the XO. My guest tonight is a gentleman that we've had the pleasure of having on the show before. His name is Robert Barrows, and Robert is 70 years young. He lives in San Mateo, California. That's just a little bit south of San Francisco. He's in the advertising and public relations business. He is also the inventor of a video tombstone called Video Enhanced Grave Marker, and he's also an artist, a songwriter, an author, and a poet. Now, one of the poems he has recently written is a poem that the whole world can vent to right now. It's a poem called The New Coronavirus Blues. Joining me now from his home in San Mateo, California, is Robert Barrows. And Robert, welcome back to the x Thank
1: you. Thank you. And I'm glad you're feeling okay. That's, I'm glad you're better.
3: Uh, thank you, my friend. Uh, so tell us about your, your poem. I, I think that we should start off this segment about the poem since the coronavirus is not getting any better. So tell us, what was your inspiration, I mean, besides the coronavirus? And uh, can you read it to us?
1: Well, I can, I'll read it to you without the first two lines, because the first two lines are a little... Uh, uh, Risque? Uh, yeah, risky. <laughs> uh, but that's how I thought about it. And You know, like when you found out that you can't go outside, you can't shake hands, you can't say hello to someone, you can't hug someone. Yes. That's the new coronavirus blues. So to give you an idea of what it sounds like, you know, it's funny. I was going to write this. Basically, it was designed to be a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I sing it, you know, it wouldn't make sense if somebody famous sings it. <laughs> uh, it might. But I might, I might just for your audience just sing a few bars of it. Sure. We'd love just it. Just to have fun. Uh, no more touching, no more rubbing, just a lot of scrubbing. I got those new coronavirus blues. No more kissing, no more licking. No more secretly nose-picking I got those new coronavirus
2: blues
1: No more traveling, no more gathering No more sexy unraveling I got those new coronavirus blues No more intimacy No more skin see. No more shaking hands, no more rubbing glands No more fans in the stands. I got those new coronavirus blues. No more meetings with my peers. No more going to the bar for some whiskey and some beers. Wait a minute. I lost my page. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
3: Well, uh, we get the hint. And, in fact, if it's okay with you... I got the
1: new coronavirus blues. And it goes on like that uh, for about another two pages, one of which I can't find. Uh, But... uh, (laughs) The, uh, but and, and then you know it's interesting when uh, when the stuff really started hitting uh-huh. and and governments were caught off guard and they didn't know what to do. You would be listening to a um, a news a newscast mm-hmm. and the governor or the mayor would say, as of midnight tonight, uh, you can't do this, you yeah. can't do that. Uh, so the lines I wrote about that were. Uh, And that freedom of speech you thought you had and that freedom of assembly you enjoyed, those don't exist anymore. They've been replaced by martial law. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And as of midnight tonight, you can't even put up a fight. You can't go here. You can't go there. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't go to work. You can't go to school. I got those new coronavirus blues. And then um, a couple of weeks ago when the... uh, news of the vaccines came out right i figured okay uh, let me write a couple more verses to update it sure uh, and then you'd see a lot of politicians uh, like the governor of california mm-hmm. who you know they found out that he went to some party at some restaurant where you pay like about 450 bucks for a meal um and uh he was pretty embarrassed by that but it says and for all those politicians who violate their own rules and say, please do as I say, not as I do. I got this new coronavirus blues. And something tells me that the $20 million a year pro athletes are going to get the vaccine long before I do. I got those new coronavirus blues. And, and what media companies can do, and you can do this if you'd like to do it with the Exxon, is you can post the whole poem online and let people add in verses of their own and make it the longest-running poem in the, you know, universe in 20 different languages. Well, I think and we'll just do
3: that's, that. That's a fantastic idea.
1: Yeah, and see what people say, yeah. because uh, you need to vent to this like crazy, because uh,
2: it's going nuts. It's it is. It's really a shame.
1: It
3: is. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's a good thing that the coronavirus is not a venereal disease, because everybody was caught with their <laughs> pants down,
0: right?
2: You're right, although yeah. uh, although
1: back to the um, AIDS virus. Yep. God, it took so long for that to become accepted in the public where mm-hmm. people said, "Oh, that's a disease. It's not a it's not because you did this and that and this and that. It's a disease." And um the also with the um the way this has spread uh and the way uh it uh, early in the um the situation when people talked about masks, they would talk about the N95 masks. And I remember the N95 masks when there were bad forest fires here in California uh, several years ago. And they said, wear the N95 mask because that blocks 95 percent of the particulate matter that can get in. And when the coronavirus started, they said, yeah, we need N95 masks, mm-hmm. but, uh, let's reserve them only for the healthcare workers first. Uh, and you realize that there was just a shortage of N95 masks around, and the other masks, despite the facts, what people, despite the fact that people say, well, they're effective, well, mm-hmm. they're really not as effective as the good masks would be. Exactly. And it's airborne; it uh, uh, it just goes everywhere. So it's 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 uh, it's
3: horrific you know in between um the coronavirus in the united states and around the world but the united states seems to be uh suffering from a double plague this uh this part of the uh the these time space continuum with the political scene that is going on down there and the riots what do you make about this
1: oh my gosh yeah uh, it's um It's very difficult to watch. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Congress the next couple of days. But bear in mind that 74, 75 million people did vote for Trump.
2: And
1: even though 80 million people voted for Biden, uh, there is a tremendous amount of anger in this country. And it's it's really, it's bad. It's a bad, uh, it's scary. It's very scary, and the fact that uh, the inauguration is coming up next week, and they mm-hmm. expect a lot of violence at state houses yeah. and capital buildings in each and every state—pretty uh, scary stuff. Um, and um, it, it's hard to watch on the news every day. It's very hard to watch, and uh, it's 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 bad. It is. It's it's, it's a bad situation. And uh, many years ago. Uh, I actually ran for Congress. In, in I remember that from one of our conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as I grew up uh, in my, you know, like I grew up uh, in the, you know, late '60s, early yeah. '70s, uh, during the time of the Vietnam War, and I was lucky enough; I had a very high draft number, so I didn't get drafted. And high I lot, they did it by lottery, and I had a high lottery number. That's the only lottery I won, really. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> by the by, the way, there's two lotteries now, which are like 650 million and 550 million. Oh wow! Million. The Powerball and the Mega Ball. Uh, the, the Mega, the, the Mega Million is tonight at 550 million, and the Powerball's is tomorrow. Anyway, I got the numbers a little bit wrong, but they're that kind of numbers. Good luck and, to you. People always ask, "What would you do if you won?" Well, I'd put a million dollars in safekeeping, so I'd still have a million bucks if I blew the rest.
3: That's right. Smart man.
1: Yeah, yeah, but. Um, While I was growing up and watching things like Vietnam, I pretty much was on the sidelines. And I was on the sidelines for many years. And then um, when we invaded Iraq and invaded Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I thought maybe I'll run. Also, during a long time ago, uh, I wrote a poem called Run for Office. A friend of mine was out of work. She needed a job. And the mayor's race in San Francisco was wide open at that time. And I said, why don't you run for mayor? Yeah. And uh, when, I said that, when I said that, I started thinking about running for office. And I started, uh, you know, writing a poem called Run for Office. Out of work, need a job, run for office. Big bets, lots of sex, run for office. Get elected, get respected. You even get yourself protected. And it went on like that. And when you start thinking words like that, uh, you start very seriously thinking about running for office. And then in 2006, um, I uh, basically decided to run for Congress uh, because uh, I, I had some you know, things I <clears throat> needed, to, needed to say. Uh, I didn't get very far. I lost uh, in 2006. I only got about 7% of the vote that time. And then I ran again in 2008, uh, after the congressman uh, in my district uh, died um and uh then I got to again, I think I only got about three percent of the, the votes that time but uh it was it was a good, very good experience because it makes you got you, you start thinking in the public good and you have to act in the public good and uh, I'll tell you something very funny uh while I was running uh and I turned into a you know do gooder
2: mm-hmm.
1: i'd help i help i'd help people cross the street and things like that. And then a couple of days after the election, I was crossing the street and some car uh, almost, you know, hit me. <laughs> and I started screaming and cursing at him. And I realized, oh, I'm back. <laughs>
3: He's back. I'm back. All yeah. right, Robert, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our first commercial break. And Exxon Nation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, please visit his website, www.barrows.com. That's B-A-R-R-O-W-S. Dot com. And uh, Robert and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the x from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada, where not only is the province of Ontario locked down, but for the second time in 365 days, we are now in a state of emergency. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at com, and on all social media sites, Radio TV. My guest this hour is Robert Barrows, and his website is barrows.com. Robert, before we get back uh, into topic, uh, talking about the topics that, that I'd like to talk to you about, including your books, you know, the, your... your um your t- video tombstone. Um, as as somebody who's in the advertising industry as well as public relations, what do you think it will take for the United States of America to unite again?
1: I think it'll take calm, and and quite frankly, I think as soon as Mr. Trump is out of there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you see that uh, Mr. Biden. Is calm. He's intelligent.
2: Yeah.
1: He's definitely a politician. He's been a polit- He's been in politics for over forty years in Congress and in the Senate. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's careful about what he says. Uh, and he knows what he's doing. And I think it'll just calm itself just by itself after. A very short while. I think the radical fringe element, when they realize that they really can't accomplish much by violence and by what they're trying to do, will probably disappear a little bit. Now, I may be very well surprised and shocked at the... um, at the outcome, but I think it'll just go away. And I'm not quite sure why I say that. I I live in a suburb which isn't seeing, you know, much Mm -hmm. kind of protest at all. If I were living in Washington, D.C., and I just saw 30,000 people storm the Capitol, or if I were a congressperson wearing a bulletproof vest all the time and having a bulletproof vest in my desk, I may think very differently. But I think it'll go away after just a little while. Uh, I'm not exactly... However, at the same time, the FBI is talking about all the chatter that they're finding on the web that is uh, basically militaristic and talking about burning down the government and killing this and doing that, Mm -hmm. um, I may be totally, totally wrong and way too optimistic about this, but uh, I think it'll go away. Now, the other problem we have, as other countries around the world have, is the economy has been mm-hmm. so devastated by the coronavirus and uh, and just totally you know disrupting supplies and you know supply and demand and 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 chains of manufacturing and everything else yeah. and and just so many people out of jobs and out of work that there's going to be a tremendous problem um underlying all of this stuff so the politics might be rough for a while, but I think it's I think it's going to get better. I think it's going to get better. From an advertising and PR point of view, um, wow, sometimes you just have to let it go and let it take care of itself. Um, if you try and advertise it one way or the other and say, be nice to each other, be kind, yeah. um, there are people who are going to say, wait a minute, what are you spending your money on that for? How come you're not helping people? How come there are thousands of people homeless in the streets, thousands millions of people out of work we've We've got some tough times ahead, but at the same time, I kind of compare it to saying, yeah, this is tough, but imagine if we were growing up during World War two and living in europe
3: Oh, that's an excellent uh, that's an excellent or, point yeah
1: or or Japan after mm-hmm. they dropped the bomb on Hiroshima yeah uh so this is just a, this is a pandemic we can get through. Yeah. Uh, it's a very different situation.
3: Tell us about your uh, video tombstone.
1: Ah, yes, what would I say for my video tombstone?
3: Yes, what would you say about uh, your video tombstone? There, Good point.
1: Yeah, there are several uh, uh, competitors now. Uh, I never actually built the video tombstone because it would cost me a lot of money to uh, pay a Tombstone engineer and a video engineer to build it, and it. I spent about twenty thousand bucks trying to get the, uh, the you know, patent on it, which I finally got in two thousand six. Um, so I never actually built one, and uh, at the same time, I wrote the, a book based on stories told through video tombstones, and I was hoping, uh, well, if I can sell the book uh, to publishers and and television and movie producers who might want to do a, you know, Twilight Zone or X Zone type story. Uh, series of stories or horror stories or love stories or action adventures told through video tombstones. Uh, the you know, Movies and TV shows based on video tombstones could make more money than the video tombstones could ever make. And even a bad horror movie could uh, make zillions. But uh, in the interim, uh, there are now several other video tombstones on the market. Uh, there's a company in Slovenia who's selling one for about 3500 There's a a company in Japan recently, which uh, also put out a video tombstone for about $3,500 or so in that kind of neighborhood. And there are a tremendous number of video memorials online. Mm. And and video, you know, basically you can go online and leave your whatever you want to say. Yep. And uh, that's, that's a lot cheaper than it's going to be for video tombstone and a perpetual care fund that uh, takes care of the video equipment throughout eternity. So the video tombstone, uh, as the technology has has improved, where you know, like the the video tombstone, I was going to be selling, really would have cost about twenty twenty five thousand bucks. Wow! By the time you finish. Well, what would happen is the the a tomb uh, <clears throat> the tombstone would cost about five thousand bucks, and the video equipment, weatherproof video equipment would cost about five thousand bucks. Uh, but then the um, Funeral home and the cemetery, uh, you know, would add on their profits. Uh, so all of a sudden, something that might uh, cost ten thousand dollars to build it might sell for twenty-five or thirty thousand bucks, and you'd need a, a big perpetual care fund to keep that operating forever, because you'd have to repair the re- replace and repair the equipment yep. from time to time just because of the weather. And um, so, in reality, the video tombstone will have a much longer life in, you know, my book, if it ever gets published, uh, and movies and television shows based on stories told through video tombstones. But the interesting thing about video tombstones is they'll also create some fascinating free speech issues, because how can you control what somebody might say from their video tombstone? And will it be truth or lies?
2: Mm-hmm. What
1: if they say something that's true or not true, or not so nice about you. Uh, what if they make? What if they confess to a crime? What if they make an incrimination? Uh, how can you pull the plug, and and whom can you sue? And, and worse yet, how can you collect? The guy's dead. Uh, so there'll be some very interesting free speech issues uh, arising from beyond the grave through video tombstones, and it'll it'll change the way we look at uh, life and death. It'll change the way that history is told. Uh, because now you'll be able to get the story straight from the person's mouth. Uh, and whether they're telling truth or lies, that's that's going to be something people will have to decide. So it's going to have a, a major impact on some major aspects of culture as well as entertainment. And it uh, be interesting to see what happens. A lot of funeral homes right now during COVID are advertising that, uh, you know, you can't come to the funeral in person. But we can do the funeral for you online, yeah. so your loved ones can visit with you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, that, that will probably the funeral industry knows all about the video tombstone, and and they might take a look at it more closely. Uh, How has... and, if I, and if I'm lucky enough to get the book published, mm-hmm. uh, or somebody does a TV show on it, uh, that'll that'll make it happen. It'll. The, the show will build awareness for the tombstone, the tombstone will build awareness for the show, all that
3: kind of stuff. All right, but I, I can understand that a tombstone. Would this just be for a a, um, a grave, or would this also be for somebody who has been cremated? You know, if somebody's cremated and the ashes are taken home...
1: They, um, well, they could do the video memorial online in that yeah. regard. Uh, in a... Um, uh, in a in a funeral home where they've got a bunch of uh, cremated uh, where they've got a bunch of you know file boxes with cremated remains in them, mm-hmm. they could put smaller screens on those uh, cremation boxes, and people could go to a funeral home and uh, you know listen to the thing. Also, the um a video tombstone in a cemetery. Can also be connected to the web, so that you could, uh, you know, access uh, anybody's tomb if you know that's available. Some people might have uh, might might have coded, uh, you know, access numbers so that mm-hmm. not everybody in the world could access their tombstone. Uh, but uh, some people may make it open for anybody to hear.
3: Um, what has been the consumer response to the? The uh, video tombstone.
1: I haven't seen much, uh, uh, you know, applause for it or uh-huh. complaints about it. Uh, and you know, I have a you know, i I have various different Google alerts on video tombstone and talking tombstone and video enhanced grave right. marker and that kind of thing. And I haven't seen any real negative stories about it. The one thing I did see many years ago Mm -hmm. was um, complaints about a uh, video tombstone in Austria where people were visiting the grave of their loved one and it happened to be close by uh, a video tombstone and the people who were mourning their loved one were complaining about the noise coming from the video tombstone just a few graves away. Uh, one thing that I've done to, in my you know, patent application, I also explained that uh, you could fit it with a remote control device and uh, that you'd pick up at the cemetery office as well as earphones so that it doesn't bother you know, other people in the cemetery one of the video tombstones the video tombstone that the slovenian company put out uh is motion sensitive mm-hmm. so that when you walk by it it starts talking uh, that way they you know save energy and uh, but it but again it'll bother it may bother other people and depending on what people said who knows but uh, you know what if a guy you know sings songs or the guy who died from the coronavirus blues is singing the coronavirus blues from his video tombstone <laughs>
2: Well,
3: it well, I, in the, I, it I, in I this. found
1: one of the other pages that says uh, uh, no more flying, no more trains, no more buses, no more planes, no more classes, no more school, just a lot of rules. I got to uh, All right, to, uh, my right friends, right stand by. Blue.
3: Stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation. This is the okay. exon I am Rob McConnell. My guest this hour is Robert Barrows. And if you'd like to find out more about Mr. Barrows... Visit us website at www.barrows.com. That's B-A-R-R-O-W-S dot And Robert and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the x from our broadcast center and studios in lockdown and emergency-stated province of Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
0: We'll <music> be
3: In, so baby, just kiss. said, no, no, no. Romance ain't keeping me alive. Welcome back. Robert Barrows is my guest of this hour in the X Zone. His website is www.barrows.com. We're talking about uh, Robert's video tombstone. And, Robert, what happens if somebody went into a graveyard where this uh, this video uh, tombstone is, and it's vandalized. What happens?
1: Well, there are very strict rules against. Again, am I? Is it clear? Yeah. Yeah. There are very strict rules against vandalizing tombstones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going to vandalize a tombstone, you'd better hope there's no such things as ghosts. And uh, quite frankly, I anticipate. I'll tell you something interesting. I anticipated. Uh, that people might want to vandalize a tombstone, so the front of the tombstone uh, would be fitted with a plexiglass shield uh, to, pro- well, to protect it from the elements as well, uh, and any you know particular squirrels who don't like it, what it's saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh, the company in Slovenia took it one step further, where I said a plexiglass shield, uh, they're protecting their video tombstone with bulletproof glass
2: <laughs>
1: so, so that's what you might expect and um, I, you know quite frankly after what we've seen the past few months uh, in this country with protests I fully expect that people might take a can of spray paint and spray paint all over it mm-hmm. and um, knock it over and uh, the same as they're gonna spray paint uh, everything else they don 't like, so um, although some of the spray painting is nice, I 'm always amazed when you see spray paint on the top of some overpass bridge on the freeway, and you wonder, how did the people get there to do that? I'm, I, you know I, I respect art. yes, <laughs> even though even though they 're vandalizing something, mm-hmm. some of the art's quite nice.
3: How are these uh, video tombstones going to be powered? Because, um, you know, how do you, how do you get the power? Is it solar? Is there a battery? Is it electrical?
1: Oh, it's basically electrical. The same uh, way that a cemetery um, has uh, a sprinkler system running through it, uh, you know, if furrows in the ground, you can basically mm-hmm. uh, run electricity uh, through it, uh, you know, the same way with just a, a wired uh
3: Okay, so it'd be the same thing as uh, what we have uh, going out to our pool lighting system.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and it and basically it works the same way as a, as your household television okay. works. You have a you, you pick up a remote control from yeah. the cemetery office, and you uh, you click on it, and it works the same way as a your regular TV works.
3: Okay, so what would happen? All right, is is it is it a CPU based unit?
1: Uh. CPU. I'm not familiar with that term.
3: All right, a, a central processing unit, as in a computer.
1: Oh, uh, you—it's—you uh, can do it any way you want. You can simplify it so that there's basically a um, DVD player uh, or videotape player okay. in the tombstone itself. Ah, cool. uh, and and or you could feed it through a, a cable type system. Right. You know, from a central place.
3: Okay, know what happens in a uh, all right, let's say that the unit is in the tombstone and you have the electrical from wherever the central electrical uh, station in the graveyard that is going to be distributing the the power to the tombstone to power the the unit. What happens in case of a power failure? How is that system rebooted?
1: I the same way as you would uh, reboot any system, you would basically track it back to whatever, wherever the power went bad. No, no, and, no, uh, I, I mean the unit itself.
3: A, I mean the unit itself.
1: Oh, it's, it's really no different than a television and a videotape recorder that's, uh, that, that's plugged into um, wherever the electricity is coming from. It's just that simple.
3: Oh, uh, okay, but I, I mean, for example, if, um, if my one of my computers go down, Let's say there's a power failure; it shuts down. I have to go turn it back on, and it goes through the startup, and then I have to go to the certain section where the software is that I want to run.
1: That that's the magic of old technology versus new technology. Okay. Uh, Basically, it's just a television, a weatherproofed television set, Mm -hmm. and a videotape uh, player, uh, and a tombstone. Um, that can be either powered by battery or electricity, so if the uh, electricity if the electrical grid went down mm-hmm. um, you'd uh, you 'd just wait till the electricity got turned on again
3: gotcha how many uh, How many of these systems do you estimate have been sold worldwide
1: i don 't have a clue um, I only know of uh, a couple that I've seen about Mm -hmm. in the news, but when I was doing my projections on them, uh, and I was looking at the numbers and the potential market for these things, when I went to the web and I said, okay, how many people die every day in the United States? And at that time when I went to the web, it was 7,500 people die every day. And I kind of figured, okay, if only one-tenth of 1% of the people who died Mm -hmm. wanted a video tombstone, you could basically sell about, you know, seven uh, tombstones a day. And in the course of a week, uh, you you might sell as many as 45 to 50 video tombstones. And if you made uh, $5,000 to $10,000 profit on each one of those things, you could be, and you could have, you could have a very substantial business going. Uh, so that, that those were the projections based on one tenth of one percent, mm. and obviously it's not even near that now. Yeah, did but, you uh, did you
3: apply did you uh, approach investors uh, to invest money into the research and development of your product?
1: What I did is, uh, while I was getting when I I filed for the patent in two thousand two, mm-hmm. and when you file for a patent. You can allow it to publish uh, a year and a half later. Now, in some cases, you might have a secret sauce that you don't want made known, and you may decide not to let it publish. But I decided to let it publish. And when it published in 2004, uh, I got a call from a magazine called New Scientist uh, in London, And they did a story on it. A week later, that story got picked up by Reuters as a quirk in the news. And within 24 hours, it was all around the world, and I was getting calls from all over the place wanting more information about it. I had still not received the patent yet. And the patent had actually been rejected once, Mm -hmm. then twice, and then a third time. Because they were similar due to what they call prior art, uh, there are similar inventions prior to that. So where I basically had about 20 or 25 uh, thing, you know, things that I was claiming in the patent, when I fi- finally got the patent, it basically got whittled down to about eight or nine you know unique things relative to that patent. And during that time that I was applying for the uh, patent, I was doing two things. One, I had written the book, the Cemetery of Lies, and I started looking for agents and publishers for the book. And I also basically started sending out letters to the uh, monument building companies, companies in the funeral industry,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, letting them know that it's patent pending. Uh, and I've also written the book. And then, when I finally got the patent in 2006, I sent out more letters to the funeral industry, uh, and uh, I'll tell you, I got some interesting non-replies. I got a letter from General Electric uh, that said that they have a policy of acquiring any patent on anything for a total of five thousand bucks. And since I just spent about 20000 bucks in legal fees trying to get the patent, I thought, well, maybe that's not such a good idea. Right. Uh, in retrospect, maybe I should have taken it. Um, the funeral industry, at least in America, is very interesting. Uh, it is dominated by three or four gigantic conglomerates. Oh, really? Uh, who operate under many, many different names so mm-hmm. that your local funeral home you know, it looks like it's a local funeral home, but in reality it may very well be owned by a company called Service Care International or one of another, one of a few other uh, large funeral conglomerates. So uh, it was fairly easy for me to, you know, contact those companies and say, hey, I've got a patent on this. Would you be interested in acquiring the rights to the patent? And uh, nobody was interested in it and the uh, monument building companies weren't interested in it either. I got a lot of press and the uh, funeral industry, you know, newspapers and magazines, but uh, nobody was interested in that. And at the same time, I was sending it out to Hollywood agents and, you know, literary agents uh, talking about the um, entertainment possibilities of stories told through video tombstones, and uh, I wasn't able to make any headway there either. The only agent I had was an agent who really had no fiction contacts. He had a lot of nonfiction right. contacts and he, he wasn't really the, uh, the agent that I needed to help make that happen. But, uh, every so often when I get a chance to send out another press release, uh, you know, related to uh, either Halloween
2: mm-hmm.
1: or, uh, or any other, uh, occasion, um, uh, or National Inventors Month, or any other thing, um, or, or there's some you know story that is relevant. I'll send that. Uh, I'll send out a press release about it, and uh, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to sell it yet. But uh, but there's always hope. There's always that's how the book ends too. There's always hope.
3: <laughs> well, why do you think, in your in your own opinion, why the concept of the video? tombstone hasn't hasn't taken off,
1: oh gosh um that i I honestly couldn't say, and you know it's not that far a field mm-hmm. <laughs> from many years ago, I remember when I was in college I read the um oh what am i thinking the uh the book the um uh takes place in the cemetery stories told by um oh i i i know the the title is on the
3: tip, tip of your of tongue yeah
1: tongue. Um, the um oh gosh you know you know if I sat there on Google, I could figure it out in two seconds but the um it's stories told um by people in a cemetery um and uh the book or this book was written many many years ago um and there was quite a famous book as well, uh, so the you know certainly the publishing industry mm-hmm. is um, uh, familiar with those kinds of stories and um, I just had you know it's funny I got a lot of publicity on it on some shows like yours and uh, Coast to coast a m sure. and things like that, and uh mainstream media. I think people are probably afraid of it um the uh, it's con- it could be very controversial
3: alright um, stand by Robert we've got to take our final break great having you with us and Exxon Nation if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour his website is www.barrows.com that's www.barrows.com this is the Exxon I am Rob McConnell we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach Ontario, Canada and if you'd like to send me an email, Exxon at TV.com and on all social media sites, Radio TV. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon with our very special guest, Robert Barrows. Don't go away. Welcome back everyone. This is the X-Zone. Our guest this hour is Robert Barrows. His website is www.barrows.com And for all of you music fans, uh, the bumpers we've played tonight are Minute Work Who Can It Be? We've also played Guess uh, Clap for the Wolfman by the Guess Who and of course Carole King's Jazzman. If you'd like to find out more about the X-Zone, our broadcast schedule, and what's going on behind the scenes here, just visit our website, TV dot com. Robert, first of all, it's always a great pleasure talking to you. Um, tell us a bit about your book. Now, we always talk about your your tombstone, but I, I'd like to talk about the book now.
1: Well, the book, the book is a collection of stories told from beyond the grave through video tombstones. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll read you the first paragraph uh, because it uh, pretty much sets the stage for, for what you might uh, feel like and hear in a, tomb, in a, in a cemetery filled okay. with video tombstones. And it starts off Chapter 1, Boot Hill, okay? Yep. Things were pretty quiet around here until they brought in those damn video tombstones, <laughs> tombstones with TVs in them, talking tombstones. Now all you had to do was walk by a grave and press a button on a remote control, and you could watch the dead come back to life again on a TV screen and listen to anything they wanted to say before they died. It didn't even matter, it didn't even matter whether it was truth or lies. You just couldn't keep from listening, and everyone had a story to tell. Was it a secret confession, all the intimate de- details and anecdote, their side of the story, or was it finally time to make amends? Some people told jokes. Some people sang songs. Some people said sweet things to loved ones. Sometimes all they said was a brief hello, and sometimes they said as much as you could sit on a disc. Sometimes they just said, F you. <laughs> some of the people said awful things, and some of the graves were coded so only certain people could listen in. Other graves were open for the world to listen to if anyone was interested, and they were in big numbers. Now it goes on like that a little bit, and it's told by a... Um, a groundskeeper at the cemetery who's basically listened uh, to just about all the graves. Uh, And he says, One thing I learned from these tombstones is that many of the lives in this town were intertwined in ways you couldn't have even imagined. Uh, Another thing I learned is that almost everybody was a different person with everyone they knew and and everyone they met. And sometimes even the mildest among us has stories and thoughts to tell that even the wildest among us might never have dared. Um, sometimes the tale is about love. Sometimes it's despair. It starts out simple and winds up complex. It starts out in trust and winds up in fear. Life is like that. It starts out one way and ends up quite another. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. And whatever it is, it's all told here. Now, it goes on a little bit more, and the, like the second page ends, but I'll tell you a couple of things I have learned for certain. Some things indeed are better left unsaid, and some people just can't keep a secret, even when they're dead. Uh, then I go into basic story. Then then, then I go into uh, you know various different stories. Most of the stories are about uh, love and sex and romance and good and evil and heaven and hell and uh, you know money and you know business and things yeah. like that. And and a lot of stuff about heaven and hell. And um, the uh, the one thing I like, Chapter 2, which is about a girl I went out with for a while, uh, starts like this. She was the kind of girl who was nothing but trouble. <laughs> Women hated her. You know, men couldn't resist her. To a, to a woman, she was the kind of girl who would steal your man. To a man, she was downright hot, sexy trouble. Just the kind of trouble you're looking for. <laughs> and then it goes on to... Um, you know, he says, come a little closer to my tombstone, and I'll tell you how it, uh, it all began. So uh, you've got a lot of stuff like that in the book. And then the, uh, the last chapter uh, basically talks about the meaning of life. And um, it's all about the meaning of life. This is the end, the conclusion, the be-all and end-all, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. Did you get off to a bad start? Can you start some things over again? Is this really the end? By the way, the universe is one continuous loop, my friend. No beginning, no end. Did it all really start with a big bang? Tell me about a thousand years from now how they think it all began, and tell me a thousand years from then. So I pose a lot of questions about the universe, heaven and hell. Uh, A lot of it is about good and evil and uh, your motives, because it's it's, it's your your motives that, that really make up a lot of what life is about. Uh, and uh, so I touch on everything from philosophy to the origin of the universe to uh, making money to making love. And uh, it's, it's sexy, it's humorous and provocative. And uh, it's actually an easy read for mass audience. Uh, and, um, and it's not the kind of book that's so heavy that it's going to give you a hernia reading it. <laughs> so so that's, that's a, a rough idea of what the book is about. And you know, I've got stories about... Uh, a lot of it's most of it most of it's autobiographical,
3: right. uh, but I don't but I
1: don't present it that way. Uh, now it, it a,
3: now a is your narrative. is your book available for sale to the public?
1: Uh, no, uh, it is not. I did not uh, try and publish it on you know Amazon because uh, if I published there, you know, I wouldn't make much money on it. Uh, I re- I'm really reserving it for a, a major, you know, for well, not necessarily a major, but mm-hmm. a, a real live, legit publishing house, um, and or, you know, a movie producer, as opposed to, you know, trying to publish it myself and uh, and finding out all I have is a garage full of books. I published a couple of poetry books on Amazon, which uh, are among the uh, the worst selling books on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> How come? And uh, How poems come? aren't even that bad. No. Way. <laughs> my, my pitch on those is help rescue all these great poems from obscurity. <laughs>
3: Now, how long have you been looking for an agent or or a producer to to take your book to the next step?
1: Uh, What year is this? This is 2021. 2021.
3: (laughs) 2021.
1: I wrote the book in two weeks on a vacation at Club Med Mm -hmm. back in 2002, and then it took me about six months to edit it and polish it, so basically, since about 2003, uh, I've been looking for an agent or uh, publisher to carry it, to get it. And I'll tell you, it, um, the, uh, I received a lot of rejection letters from it from many companies. Uh, and one of the rejection letters was really kind of interesting. Uh, it said that uh, they decided to pass on the book due to the dark and disturbing nature of its contents. And I thought to myself, "Hallelujah! Somebody actually read it, because it doesn't really get dark and disturbing till about halfway into the book. And and one of the chapters really is a little bit dark and disturbing. And maybe you know I'll let the publisher decide if they want to edit it down the road. Uh, but as I was getting all these rejection letters, uh, several years later, I actually wrote uh, an article based on, uh, which was a parody." of rejection letters uh, called Literary Agents in Love, or 22 Ways to Say No to a Date Like a Literary Agent Says No. (laughs) And uh, that article actually got published in about three or four different places. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So one of these days I'll find a company that says, hey, this is exactly what we're looking for. And uh, and, uh, there's still hope. There's always hope.
3: Why do you think the public in the year twenty twenty one and and society in general has a a fascination with death? They're afraid of it, but they're still fascinated by it.
1: Uh, what, what did I hear on the news today? It was something. It might have been an ad, or it might have been a pro. I think it might have been a promo for something. Um, You've only. Uh, no, I think I may have saw. I might have seen it on the web. Somebody posted something that said, um, you know, death just happens once. Uh, every, you know, live every you know day of your life like uh, like it's the last day. Something along those lines. I because um, we don't know. We don't know the answer. We would like to think there's an afterlife, uh, but uh, is there? Um, and. I, and you know, it's a very good question. I, uh, I'll tell you, several years ago, actually in 2017, I was diagnosed with a mild form of lymphoma. My doctor was very clear with me that it's not the kind of lymphoma that people die from. You'll die from something else. We can treat this lymphoma with targeted chemotherapy. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: and uh, I was very lucky after six months of chemo, I was fine, and it's been remission ever since. Well, that's great. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, there's a song from Simon and Garfunkel, um, the Silence Like a Cancer Grows. Mm-hmm. I had no symptoms of uh, anything that I thought might have been cancer prior to that. Um, but you can't help thinking about death and dying uh, when you're given that diagnosis. Uh, and um, it puts things into perspective. Um, When I think about Cemetery of Lies and things about, you know, after I, you know, eternity and death, um, I guess that's the big unknown. I guess that's the big unknown. I I really, uh, I don't spend much time Thinking about it, despite the tombstone, despite cemetery cemeteries, sure. despite those kinds of things, um, one of these days I'll kick off, and that's life. And uh, uh, but it, it, you know, but I'm in no hurry. I'm 70 years old now. I wish I could be 20 again. I should have, uh, I, I should have, uh, you know, taken some of my DNA when I was 20 and cloned it <laughs> and kept it in a, kept it in a uh, in a freezer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, if I take my DNA now, it's, it's 70 year old DNA and, uh, it ain't going to be what I want. I'm not the same man I was before. Um, I, you know, I recently, uh, what did I see? Betty White was 99 yesterday. I saw an interview over the weekend. I think it might've been on some, I forget the TV program, but it was with the, uh, the producer of, uh, All in the Family and he was like 98 years old and, uh, he said comedy keeps him going. Um, so um, I've got some jokes I've written, too. <laughs>
2: but, uh,
1: and uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, I, I couldn't tell you why. You know, it's funny. Uh, while I was trying to sell this to one of the mortuaries mm-hmm. uh, around here, uh, a man gave me some very interesting input. He said in the funeral business, there's something they call the season of death. And he said that is people only, basically people generally only visit the tombstone of their loved one about two times, and that may be just in the first year or so after the person dies, and after that they don't visit it so much more. So when you have people who say that's the season of death, maybe that's why they're not that interested in video tombstones because they, they may not think that there'll really be much of a, a market for them or, or people visiting them. Robert, uh, the
3: time has come, my friend, when you and I must say so long for this hour. But I want to thank you so much for joining us and quickly tell our guests where they can find out more about you online.
1: Oh, at uh, com. And uh, you'll see all sorts of things on my website, from art to songs I've written to a, a book about advertising I wrote and all kinds of
3: stuff. Robert, take care of yourself, my good friend. Stay safe, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Zone. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my good friend. And Exxon Nation, once again, if you'd like to contact Robert Byrles or if you'd like to talk to him about maybe getting his projects going, visit his website at www.barrows.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Thank you very much. Have a great evening.